Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. All right. Hey, everybody. We're back this week. How's everyone doing or how's April doing (laughs) today? I'm doing fine. (laughs) We are missing one today. Uh, Erica is out sick. With the flu, so send all your love and positive vibes and healing vibes and Tamiflu vibes Um, her way. So uh, today is just uh, Shari and myself, and Erica will chime in uh, via text when she can, but we're going to let her rest. Um, But I'm doing doing well. This is supposed to be a chill weekend. Good, Yes, I set myself down. um, Nice. Because I felt myself getting sick, so I, I practiced what I preached, and I took off work. So I could just stay home oh, and nice. have a talk with my body and say, not today. We are oh, not yeah. getting sick right now. Exactly. After next week, you can come full force, but not not right now. Yeah, because you got stuff to do. You got big things coming big up. Big things, yes. Big things coming up. And sickness up. came, nah, not right now. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty, no. pretty good. Okay, okay. Um, my grateful, um, this week wasn't too bad. I had a couple of like breaks and stuff at work, so I didn't have a lot of patient care. So that always makes for a good week. Um, and this weekend kicked off like December parties, um, which was fun. But, you know, I got to get my social weight up because I get a little overwhelmed with humans sometimes. So but I had a good time. So I think this was a, a good, a good week. So I'm grateful for that. I missed my grateful. Um, oh, yeah. Throw your grateful in. Throw um, grateful I am in. grateful for my line sister, Jasmine, who called right on time. I was like, what What do you need? What do you need? Because I don't know if she could sense I was freaking out about just not having stuff done and getting things ready for next week. Um, and she came in right on time. It was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. I'll take care of this X, Y, and Z. And it's like, huh? Cause she, I think she knows I also nice. don't do well with asking. So grateful, yeah. grateful for that. Cause that was a huge, huge relief. So yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, grateful for line sisters. Yes. They always come through right on time. Always. All right. Well, all right. So we're going to skip our media minute today because we have some very special guests with us. We have Dr. Napoleon Wells and Dr. Sterling Watson with us to help us facilitate a conversation around men's mental health. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves, starting with Dr. Watson and can tell listeners who you are, whatever you want them to know about you. Good evening or afternoon or whenever you listen. Whenever you listen. <laughs> yes. Good day. Uh, good day, right? <laughs> yeah, my name is uh, Dr. Sterling Watson. I am the assistant training director at the University of South Carolina uh, Counseling and Psychiatry. Um, I have a number of hats, roles, responsibilities. Um, but as a psychologist uh, and therapist, I think I'll just uh, leave it at that for today. Yeah. Nice. Welcome, Dr. Watson. Thank you. You got your voice on today. My voice on? Yeah, yes. like your, your podcast that, voice. Got, got, that, got nice. that beer, beer white. The NPR Midnight <laughs> Soul. Midnight Soul. <laughs> <laughs> you should start that. That's kind of dope. That's oh, cool. my gosh. You might have did something. Oh God, Let me go ahead and copyright NPR. this before somebody take it. <laughs> 
All right. Um, I am Dr. Napoleon Wells, a clinical psychologist, assistant professor at Claflin University, um, all-around troublemaker. Yes, I think that's just the best way to think of if there's uh, some way to stir up people thinking about themselves and their experiences, especially in our community here in South Carolina and in my own tribe, I try to do so. So, you know, I'm grateful. My grateful is being here with you beautiful oh, people. Oh, That's hey. my grateful right there. Thank and you, uh, and Star Wars is less than three weeks away. So <laughs> I'm grateful for that. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. Yes, uh, Dr. Wells is also a proponent of Die Hard being classified as a Christmas movie. And it is. It is. <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas <laughs> movie. Yeah, I with agree. A, yeah, without really? doubt. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would you consider Gremlins a Christmas movie? Yes. Yes. Also, so any movie is. that has like a Christmas scene or does no, it have no, no. to be set around I the I feel holiday? like Christmas so is supposed to be if, like a key. If, if Christmas, in fact, influences the film in any way. So Die Hard, it's a Christmas party. At the mm-hmm. Nakatomi building, uh, which is why they're all gathered, which so is what the hard. villains needed. Okay. You understand? So, okay. you know, something along those lines, you can have a film that doesn't necessarily have Christmas as its central theme, but if it influences events. So gotcha. Gremlins, absolutely. Yeah. You know, at that time, um, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, see, it's in the title, so it's automatically Christmas right. if it's in the title. Uh, okay, what about Edward Scissorhands? Yeah, I had it in my top ten. You know, wow. so for sure, I had Edward Scissorhands. So I think about it's Christmas? it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a Christmas film. I can't even remember that. <gasps> yeah, I, f- I yeah. love Jenny. Yeah, Depp, I would. So. I would suggest that if you can draw a direct line to where Christmas plays a role, how many conversations are influenced by it, how much of the course of the living of those people mm-hmm. and characters when the film is influenced by it, so trading places. You can make okay. a strong case. Wait, no, wait That's a good. minute. Yeah, you can. Wait That's good. Yeah, trading you can. places. Trading places. Trading places, absolutely. Yeah. Huh. Um, Eddie Murphy, Nick Nolte. Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay, we don't okay. have to come back to this. We are widening the Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. y'all been a little generous. It's just not Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> no, you know, no, no, that's no. what I was thinking. You know what I yeah. thought about? And then we get to the what? topic where Rudolph is. Santa did never step in when they were teasing Rudolph. Santa was not. And he only came in when he needed something. That's what I'm saying. Santa allowed for it to be a meritocracy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he was like, you're going to have to get your weight up, young man. So um, He was preparing Rudolph. He was. Kind of like the Mr. Miyagi he. He wanted to make it as capitalist <laughs> as he could. So you're going to have to earn your way forward, young man. <laughs> I was thinking about that this morning. Yeah. Don't ask why. I don't yeah. know. But I'm just like, why did Santa not know. at one point step in and say, hey, but, y'all, yeah. leave Rudolph alone. He can't help his nose. He let all that go on. And mm-hmm. then when he needed him, he said, now yeah. I need you to step up. Maybe he felt like he was building character. But he didn't, he didn't do anything. Yeah, he didn't. He just stayed yeah. silent. He did. All right. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as I stated, <laughs> the later it gets, the more we're going to stay on topic today. Okay. So, get into the topic. We had a, um, some listeners send in questions, um, but I want to kind of start off with the first one is, what does masculinity mean to you? Mm-hmm. And whoever wants to go for it, take it. Yeah. Okay. Brother, please. I might have to sit with it. Okay. Um what masculine what does masculinity mean to me yeah 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 so it isn't particularly complicated for me i just hate to box masculinity in i think mostly because mm. there's no mm-hmm. real effective way to define it so that it 
is impactful for humans. Mm -hmm. Like we don't benefit, I think, from trying to box masculinity. Mm -hmm. I think it's all of the things that we teach and ask men to do in order to demonstrate that they have an understanding of being male and then bringing those elements into their relationships and influencing their environment with this understanding of themselves that they are male. So I would say masculinity is just the teaching of aggressive and forward and distant and broken and uh, yeah, I, I I understand it's coming out. I just don't have very much use yeah, for masculinity a, as a term. There's a lot of of, of I think sociological, Absolutely. you know, kind of conceptual definitions mm -hmm. of masculinity and right. what we have been taught that yeah. it should mean. Yeah. Now, I can say that from this perspective and this mm -hmm. lens, we can probably distance ourselves mm -hmm. from the traditional conceptualization mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. masculinity. But for the purpose of the show, mm -hmm. that masculinity means being tough. Yeah. Means being hard. Yeah. It means being able to handle your business. I think it's all of the theater that yeah. we teach men to memorize to then play out. To play out uh, between yeah. ourselves and with our communities and in our relationships yeah. and our environments in order to be stamped male. Yeah, you know, it, it's it largely means, theater. Means being stoic and, and strong Absolutely. and you Absolutely. know the the protector yeah. provider. The I've I've know. never come across masculinity in any way where it isn't sexualized or ah, convenient. Yeah, yeah. And, speak, and can neither, you speak to that yeah. convenient yes. piece a little bit? What do you mean when you say that? Um, I mean, I'm not trying to start any fights early. So, <laughs> Let's go. That's what we're here for. I think we, within our relationship specifically as men and with, especially with our communities and with our families, masculinity as a concept is trotted out when we want to coerce men in particular to do things better, mm. to do things as we want them to be done. Mm. So if we want for decisions to be made and to be made forcefully and for there to be some sort of relationship bad guy, be a man. Um, I think very often, and this is the fight part, and I didn't want to bring this in until... We had settled in and got comfortable, I think, <laughs> where, where in relationships, especially for men and women, when women don't want to own their agency in some instances and responsibility, like, no, he needs to be a man and take charge here. Man he needs up. to engage me and he needs to make this happen. So uh, some of that responsibility, you know, then falls down to the concept of masculinity, not just men like this situation needs to be resolved. Masculinity needs to see to it. Yeah. I mean, it's such a broad, you know, kind of framework, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, if we add pieces of culture in it, mm -hmm. then certainly, you know, um, it can be really misconstrued and, and I think a, Truly. a definition that, you know, maybe um, on a grander scale cause a lot of confusion and questions, you know, and on a much smaller scale may be defined a little mm -hmm. bit more specifically based upon 
you know, cultural variables. I like how you talked about just kind of being able to distance from like that traditional mm-hmm. definition of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, it brought to mind a question that Erica had in her absence. Okay. Um, and so she asked the question around like when it comes to traditional masculine behaviors, um, what are some of the things that you have had to unlearn in order yeah. to distance from still it? Still unlearning? Well, yeah, still <laughs> unlearning. Right, yeah. right. Every yeah. day. Um, you want the first one? Yeah, let me let me take a step. Yeah, go right ahead. I think that um, one of the things that I know for myself um, is that I've had to unlearn not asking for help, hmm. um, <laughs> and I still struggle with it. Uh, I think that you know, uh, bro, you gave a word, <laughs> right? It's 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 it's, 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 it's difficult, you know. And, and you guys know me well enough to know that you know, unless you know the. The house is on fire, you know, and uh, I got on um, gasoline clothes, uh, and sometimes even (laughs) right. I'm not asking for nothing, Um, and so it's been a really interesting process of unlearning that, um, and then having experiences that may reinforce the need to maintain my self sufficiency and not ask for or request for help. Um, or support in some cases, um, and then um, being in situations where I had to say, "Well, you know, what, let me let me let me just pause for a minute. You know, is is this really a healthy way for me to continue to move forward? Um, because we are social creatures, and you know, we need one another in a lot of ways. And yeah. so, it's not good for me to absolve myself from groups or from people who I know care about me." for the purposes of me saying that, you know, I can do it all by myself. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that I have been unlearning and working on continuously. Um, uh, you know what, I, I don't even believe in the idea of unlearning. Mm. I just don't. Um, I think we develop over what we have learned, but mm. it, it never truly leaves us. Mm. I think we mature and evolve as beings, but as soon as that stress becomes too much, all of us can see those things that we learn. Yeah, it starts to be pulled from us. So I don't, I wouldn't say that I've unlearned things. I think where I hopefully have evolved is in learning better how to ask for help in coping Mm -hmm. and not just enduring. Enduring. Right. Um, Being strong. Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. that power that I think we're almost required to breathe into our environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned over the things I've learned in the past how to have complicated love relationships with other men. Mm. There you go. And so a now lot of... That's a whole other topic in it. It is. Itself. It is. Yeah. It is. I mean, with my, my brothers who are close, there was... Myself and I'm going to tell a little bit on Shari Dade. Uh, we both mm-hmm. were at a repeal day party last night. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. one of the hosts is an uh, individual by the name of Russell who I'm very close to. And within our relationship, he is what I will say is touchy. And mm-hmm. I realize that's probably not the best word because touchy suggests that right. he attacks me in some way and I'm not comfortable <laughs> no. with it. But he walks over to me and he wanted to take a picture and he instead of just standing beside me, he said, no, I want some of them ribs. Give me them ribs. And pulled me <laughs> tightly <Nice. laughs> into him. And I realized in conversation, just with that 
experience my initial reaction of like, bruh, give me some, <laughs> give me some space. Some space. It's more like, no, let's let's violate those boundaries yeah. because this is a good thing to do, and let's practice this together. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. let let me experience what I know coming from you is love. Right. Let me right. absorb some of it and literally let me give it back to you. Right. In right. that way, so I think kind of learning complicated love relationships yeah. and dyads with men has been that learning and, process. And you know what? That's a huge thing. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe at this particular phase of life for me, you mm-hmm. know, as I enter into my male relationships with men, mm-hmm. I'm recognizing that there's a significant difference in the quality of those relationships um, and how we engage one another, you know, with authenticity and accountability to ensure that we're on the same page and that yes. we are um, being able to demonstrate elements of care within, you know, a, um, I would say, traditional and non-traditional Absolutely. kind of, you know, masculine Absolutely. way, if you will. I think when I, when I think about masculinity and I, I don't know that the concept of masculinity has benefited me in any way in mm-hmm. my entire adult life. Say more about that, because I think it is important to think about. I think when we talk about, quote unquote, and I I don't even like this phrase, but toxic masculinity, um, we think about, well, I know I do. I'll speak for me. As a woman, I think Mm -hmm. about how it impacts women. Right. And so I think it is really important to hear from your point of view, like the things about it that has not benefited you. Yeah, masculinity to me, when I consider it, I consider, and we're going to talk about it just from this question, the roles involved in how there's a very solid way to, I mean, I've always been processed by women, my spouse, women, friends as being masculine, but not necessarily overly so, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But there are instances when I know I am occupying more space in a room than I should, Mm. where I realize that's probably masculinity coming into play i have to command some of this space for my own i don't know that it's thank you i don't know that there has ever been a point where i feel i've developed as a human where masculinity has benefited me or contributed i don't know in any relationships or as a father as a teacher where i've taken masculinity as a concept and as an approach and Mm -hmm. used it to improve a situation. I just, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it for myself. I think I've used it as a tool. So if I'm in a particular talk, I was speaking to a room full of men in Sumter just a few weeks back. And it was clear someone had to, I think, unfortunately, be the alpha dog because of how they were responding. So someone had to say loudly, men, it's time to listen. I'm like, there was nothing that was collaborative about that. Mm -hmm. It was more, and I realized what had happened and what they were responding to, Mm -hmm. as opposed to collaboration, command. So can it be a tool that can be used in some instances? Yes, but usually just to clear the field as opposed to grow very much, you know? Yeah, you know, and and so I can appreciate that because what you bring to the table is a context, Uh right, where that form of masculinity becomes a necessity to bring order or attention um, 
to the group that you're with mm -hmm. and that's a training that's 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 a socialization that's mm -hmm. that's an experience that most men from very young ages mm -hmm. you know have um, had to endure you know and not only endure um, become accustomed to as a particular norm whether it is our sporting activities you know the first time my coach yelled me <laughs> at my Watson <laughs> you know curse me out or whatever the case yeah. may be you know and you just kind of naturally respond like yes sir and you kind of <laughs> do what you us, need to do I think us as men yeah at times and um and I realize I'm not including all beings who think of themselves as men, so forgive me. Um, mm -hmm. Thinking of the very limited way in which we think of right. ourselves right, right. as men generally right now. I think we almost abuse men and boys into shape. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we, we trim them by abuse in a sense. And we trim them and we shape them and grow them at times by neglect. Mm-hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I can think of a number of instances where a good brother who was a friend may have had a relationship end. Mm -hmm. And we all know he's hurting. Yes. And instead of processing with him in that space, <laughs> my man, listen, we got to hit the club. It's a oh oasis out here, my yeah. G. There's we got to go. There's actually a get, scene get of Insecure <laughs> that popped up in my Facebook memories. And it's, I mean, it's speaking exactly to what you just mm -hmm. said. It was a scene where... After Lawrence found out that yeah, um, yeah. Issa had cheated on him and he was talking with his boys and they're at the strip club and they're giving him horrible advice of just like, yeah. you need to go out and just, you know, bust down the first chick you meet. And, and I remember like, and door is, is no one, and coat. Yeah. like yeah. no one going to just say, dude, yeah. you're hurting. But something you said um, <clears throat> made me think of a personal experience when I was, I taught at another university, I taught in the athletics department mm -hmm. and a significant portion of my class at this point um, were football players. And my students were all first year or transfer students. So mostly all freshmen just got there. Well, they had been there the summer, so it was the fall. And I remember one day in particular, they were not listening to me. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, polite because it's a mixed class. We have football, gymnast, golf, but it's one particular team, <laughs> one particular demographic specifically uh -huh. that's cutting up. And I also feel like they're trying me a little bit more. Um, because of my perceived age and also, you know, black young woman, I feel like they're trying me a little bit more yeah, than they would. Yeah, and yeah. so I go off. Like, I cussed the whole class out, specifically them. Then they shape up. And I said, why do I have to do that? Why did it take that mm -hmm. for you to straighten up? And one said, well, that's what we're used to. Correct. That's how you have to talk to us if you Correct. want to. I said, that's that's you, don't, you don't think that something's wrong with that, that I have to curse at you and yell at you in order for you to straighten up? Like, mm -hmm. So to hear you kind of frame it yeah. as we teach, like we kind of raise men by beating them down into submission. Yeah. And when do we stop and say, well, is that good? Like what's yeah. the, what's the cost? We, I mean, I don't, that? I don't think we would considering what we need of masculinity as a society, mm. like what we need of it. We need it as a kind of straw man. Mm. You know, we need to blame a lot of what we aren't willing to do and address on masculinity. And I think we need, we require it for us still as a society to be able to say, here is our target. Um, I'm, I'm going to say black men for the moment, right? Because that is mm -hmm. the community of men that I've been raised with. Our sense of masculinity is based entirely on aspirational goals. 
So our target is really what the entire planet is. It's the ability to have the privilege of being white and male without actually being white and male. To have that power, can, to have can, that. Can you can you break that down? So yeah. So let's let's get into it. Let's 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 do this, man. Um, so with social creatures, as you mentioned earlier, humanity, in my view, is really it's an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. To be white and heterosexual and Christian in this society and male means that you are the lion. means that you're dominant. Everything within that ecosystem falls beneath your shadow. Mm -hmm. It exists at your grace, mercy, and will, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so what black men, I believe, psychologically do is we're a kind, we have some predator traits in the same way the lion does, Mm -hmm. but we know if he decides we're effectively leopards, we chill in that tree Mm -hmm. until the lion and its pride move along. Then Mm -hmm. we know we can eat. And we can devour, but mm-hmm. there are other things and other beings around that may be as strong as us. But our goal ultimately is to be as powerful a predator as possible because that's what masculinity is. Mm-hmm. So to is it fair to say way. that this masculinity that we, you know, as black men mm-hmm. may aspire to, you know, it comes from the... Um, I feel comes from the the 400 years plus you know yeah. of slavery yeah it comes Ab- from absolutely because as as much as we have people who will try to point to African nations countries cultures as being so much more masculine than those you see in the West at times mm-hmm. sisters over in the continent were always involved in leadership mm-hmm they were yeah. always involved in literally war. Mm-hmm. They were involved in setting the table for policy, mm-hmm. literally always. Mm-hmm. The idea we have of masculinity is one that is grounded in what does it take to survive here? To survive and here. here. And then the to thrive here. But mm-hmm. masculinity here is tops really on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like this version of masculinity fully dominates. Mm-hmm. This is how we should think of ourselves. This is how men should develop. And that runs counter and we struggle with it so much yeah. because of the fact that sisters are still, just in terms of generationally, practicing the leadership styles mm-hmm. we saw often and see yeah. often on the continent. Yes, sir. So sisters are pushing back against that, trying to shape us mm-hmm. toward understanding and collaborating because they always have. Mm-hmm. So it's like, brothers, you're just going to have to hear what we're saying. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. going to appear to be strong, but we're really just engaged. Mm-hmm. So and then how, cause as a black woman who often hears um, complaints about sisters stepping into leadership or just kind of having a, a, a strong personality that takes up space is often phrased as an attack on masculinity or not letting men lead or... Um, even today, someone on Twitter was like, the biggest trick white women did to black women is to teach them that black women were their enemy. or something like the biggest trick of white feminism. I was like, to believe that, you have to ignore histories of black women who have drawn the distinction between black women. So basically, even in the example you gave of looking at um, masculinity or the world as an ecosystem, when the lion and the pride goes away, then the, you said the leper comes down, who's usually the first or next in line to be harmed is usually 
black women. But then when we make that known, we're called divisive or it's an attack on black men. So how does one navigate or even what do you hear when those conversations come come up? Because often it becomes a y'all just want a war on black men and black women. So well, well when do we get to say when do we get to like call a spade a spade yeah. and say like, oh, this is not not only harmful for us, but as you've talked about before, it's harmful for all of us. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, you know, and I think that a lot of times, you know, we have to draw, you know, some distinctions between, you know, um, the various groups of men um, that may not operate, you know, in those same kind of frames of thinking. Um, and I think that we are at a really interesting place, particularly for black men, where we could talk about gender role strain and the inability to operate or function in this traditional role as men that then causes those men to perceive or believe that they are being usurped or that any kind of um, structure of dominance or power or ability. And I think it may be, maybe just boils down to the ability to function um, as a man to do the things that we've been socialized that men do, that when a woman who is strong, capable, and apt, and may be much further along, um, whether it is educationally, whether it is emotionally, of course emotionally, you know, that that man may feel threatened um, or may feel incompetent or incapable and thus the socialization and the training to be that jaguar that lion becomes what I can use to regain a sense of power whether that's faux power yeah. or whether that is exerting my physical presence mm -hmm. you know um, or whether that is um, verbal right yeah. or that is physical yeah. um, um, over our sisters uh, in that way. I think a part of what I struggle with is how poorly as a community we go about the process of viewing people as being balanced. A lot of people are afraid of being wrong. <laughs> and That's real. Now myself, I'm just kind of like, nah, there are times I'm going to struggle with this concept of masculinity being over my head and forgive me, right? Mm -hmm. But we're going to be often as men quote unquote thrust into a position where we can't separate being men from masculinity being in the ether. Right. It's like this is what y'all do and brothers do the same thing to sisters and push that back. In a lot of the conversations that I've had, the line that I draw is like how insufferable is the leadership? That's what I concern myself with. So personally, and I emphasize it to the men I'm closest to, make room for good sound leadership. Right. Right. If a sister steps forward and she's talking to us about the cost of masculinity and she uses a term like heteronormative, out of here with that shit, man. I'm no longer listening to you. You talking to us or you talking at us? Yeah, we understand what it means, but all them folks who you already think poorly about in the back probably don't. And you've now created greater distance between us. So, and I say like that's just an insufferable thing. If the leadership is there, and I think a part of what I've emphasized is sisters being 
as much as is possible, fully realized beings and taking up all of the space in a room that they're in. You know, there's that meme, it's not pie, right? In all of the living spaces where we have, especially our community, like we can rig it so everyone has what it is they need. Right. Men who are often threatened by it are thinking about their resources. And masculinity ultimately is about the acquisition of resources. Scarcity yeah. economics. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it comes down to. How can I draw as much as I can? I think uh, the dangerous place that we are in and we've remained there is that masculinity is rewarded. And right. yeah. toxic masculinity, if we're going to call it such, and we haven't defined it, but I'm thinking generally is very often rewarded where the kind of well-balanced overall full humanity in men is not. I asked my abnormal class mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. a couple weeks back, if you knew a brother who cried every day, mm -hmm. he just cried every day. Like his human experience and process was all of his emotions come to service and he cried every day. Would you process him well as a man? What would you... Sisters had some strong ideas uh, about what, what this brother. Uh, what did the sisters say? What did the sisters say? I'm curious now. Many of the brothers were afraid to chime in, as you okay. can imagine. Yeah, um, sure. yeah, they got real silent. The very first thing that came up was, well, why would he be crying every day? And I'm mm. like, we don't know why. Just he, end of his day. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. End of his day. He's collected all of this emotional weight. Mm -hmm. He cries it out. Well, I mean, why is a man crying so much? Mm -hmm. I would wonder whether or not I would have to take care of him. Like, it immediately went from the reality of what happens and maybe why to am I going to have to take care of him? Mm -hmm. Because if he is crying, what's the association? He's fundamentally weak. Yeah. And I am now going to have to raise him. Mm -hmm. Even though a lot of supposedly powerful and masculine men need to be. I'll stop. But no, 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 no. Don't stop. I think you're going somewhere. But, um, and I think that's important. That's extremely yeah. important, the point that you're about to make. Yeah. It, forgive me, y'all. Your boy coughing over here. <laughs> it's that time of year. It is. Um, what the class, I think, eventually developed as a conversation was the sense that they, too, have been harmed by ideas of masculinity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. masculinity is supposed to be a tether to make it to this supposedly healthy place, mm -hmm. right? So ideas of what a mate is going to look like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. physical masculinity, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. emotional masculinity, mm -hmm. and we reward that. Mm -hmm. And the class, even without saying directly, we're rewarding it. Like if he is hurting, he needs to deal with that. He needs to be able to cope with it better than this. And that's that enduring. Right. That's that strength. As opposed to coping. What are you yeah. doing crying? Right. And mm -hmm. crying this much. Well, what if he has something to cry? The, the idea that a dude would have something to cry about every day, just a foreign concept. That's, that's unfathomable. Just, it, it's it, just How can that happen? happen? It makes me think about, like, as you're talking about this, it kind of, in my mind, I saw a picture of masculinity on one end of the spectrum and mental health on the other end of the spectrum, yes. or mental wellness on the yes. opposite end of the spectrum. And so it brings a question of how do men move from one end of the spectrum to the other, you know? And I guess those two things don't have to 
be completely opposite. I but, think they are. But they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will go yeah. on they, record. They can they, they can are. be opposed, but I don't. No, I agree. I don't think they have to be. I think if we look at masculinity fundamentally as a tool, it can be used for emotional health. And it can be used to acquire sound emotional resources mm-hmm. in that way. It isn't often employed in that way, but I think it can be. What mm-hmm. do you think? You know, I think that when we look at it from the perspective of um, allowing men to express or um, be mindful or thoughtful about what their emotional experience is without any particular repercussion because it has been socialized and conditioned to be considered as weak or as um, 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 someone who just can't handle their stuff, you know, or, 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 you know, the term that comes to mind and I loosely said it earlier to man up, you know, is, is one of those things that I think creates that divide, you know, that I think you're talking about with regards to being able to care for our mental health, you know, to even think about mental health, you know, as, um, something that is actually real, you know, because for most men, you know, if if it ain't broke, right. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. if I ain't got a broken limb or something like that, you know, uh, I'm just going to keep on moving. It, you know? I think the question for many men becomes, how does mental health lend itself to power? Mm. Mm. And if it doesn't lend itself it doesn't. to power, how much use do we have for mm. it? Mm. Um, if it doesn't in some way craft a more able being, mm-hmm then what use do we have for it? And a lot of us struggle with how we aggressively go about carving out space in our life or just kind of overlay mental health over all of our lives Mm -hmm. because of the questions we have about it. If Mm -hmm. I start revealing things about myself, many men are like, you tell too much to people about you, it'll be used against you later. used against you, yes, sir. And I think that's the reason why I say it is kind of diametrically opposed to mental health because oftentimes when I hear men and I'm um, like talk about masculinity, particularly around like masculinity is being threatened and people are trying to stump on masculinity. When I hear them talk a little bit more about it, it all has to do with power or an appearance of being strong because it's usually in opposition to um, a perception of a man dressing in women's clothing or, you know, what's considered women's clothing or presenting themselves anything outside of what is heteronormative standards. That is the only time that I typically hear men complain about an attack on masculinity or when there is someone saying, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't say this to women. And it's it's always surrounding power and my ability mm-hmm. to either do what I want, say what I want without any repercussion or the appearance of masculinity is being threatened. And I was like, well, if that's what you define as masculinity, that's a very weak foundation. Because you you never ever notice you don't hear women saying that there's a, an attack on femininity, like that my femininity is threatened, even though we both we all contain pieces of both, right? Like we mm-hmm. all have. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Even though we can, particularly with black women, we can go down the line and find out and, and point out ways that our womanness or how everyone to find it has been called into question in the society or how we are allowed to exist or not allowed to exist. But you never hear that same phrasing that our femininity is being attacked. So that's always why I question kind of like 
what's beneath the surface when we started talking, women complain about an attack on masculinity. Like, what are we really attacking here? Can I ask a question? Yes. That who is saying that there is an attack on masculinity? What do you mean? Like, is it, who's actually saying it? Are black these, men. These are black men? Yes. And, and when these black men are making these statements about masculinity and being attacked, what is it that they're really saying they're being attacked by or attacked from because you you referenced mm -hmm. you know like clothing mm -hmm. right you know dressing um and maybe or even the promotion of certain things like the promotion of the gay lifestyle is an attack on masculine like these very um i don't know the phrase for it but it's typically around anytime very rigid kind very kind rigid of constructs yeah. yeah, it's usually either when something like when there is a gay black man on TV, it's something about an agenda, a gay man, of pro a black man of prominence, and then they found out he's gay. It's like, see, you know, masculinity is being threatened. It's like, because he's existing? Is his masculinity not? So, for example, you yeah. know, when we recently, Billy D. Williams. He didn't know what he was talking about. He said he was. <laughs> he did. Y'all should have known. Billy D. Williams did, did not know. know what gender fluid <laughs> He did not know what that meant. <laughs> he didn't know what that meant. But, you know. Uh, there is a response, I think, from those who kind of heard that, you know, or responded to that. Is that one of these kind of questions of masculinity yeah. that becomes, you know, problematic? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I would assume prob I probably could I think, call right I now think now brothers are, in many instances, aggressive about picking up the sword and shield of masculinity because most of us live with a great deal of anxiety about how much we have. Mm -hmm. Or don't have. Or don't have. Yeah. Right? Around our personhood. We are allowed very few true identities. Mm -hmm. And we're not allowed to comfortably occupy. Look, we can be an athlete. Yeah. yeah. Right? Or a rapper. Or a performer. Or a rap or we, can, performer. we can, I mean, there can be theater. Yeah. Um, we can, in many ways, try to aggressively change our environment, or we can be very seriously misunderstood and creative, but we can't be all of these things because of the anxiety that we have and the anxiety others have for us and the danger that may come to us mm -hmm. if we are those things. Masculinity, I think, is safe because... Really, it what it's attached to for us largely is our sexual identity. Mm -hmm. Really, I think it almost immediately comes up when black men are being described in any way. And what then makes that dangerous for us and our identity is suppose you are one of the millions upon millions of brothers that doesn't fit those ideals. Right. Mm -hmm. right. right? If you are unathletic or if you are extremely sensitive, if you don't necessarily represent what these tropes and these ideals are, that's being stripped. That's being stripped. In an environment where most of us already feel helpless. Already feel powerless. I can recall the most frightened I have ever been in life, and I'm a brother that has been in knife fights. I've been shot at. Come on. The Preach most the frightened choir. I have ever been is when I first laid eyes on my son. Hmm. And I was like, I have to now protect him. And how am I going to? How am I going to do it? How am I going to pull this off? Wow. Because regardless of whatever it is I've learned, whatever that degree is, whatever money I make, I'm still black and male. Mm -hmm. And even between us as brothers, we're fighting for some of what we observe to be the same spots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. 
That's complex. Yeah, very is. much so. Yeah. Complex. Yeah. And I think it goes, it's that scarcity economics thing is that when you believe there is only limited amount, you're going to box everybody out mm -hmm. so that you can get that thing and no one is asking, well, wait a minute, why do, why do we only have this one? Right. Who's withholding? Right. You know, we're not asking that. We're fighting each other for a piece of the pie that's mm -hmm. really, there is no pie. I, I think what, where I've managed to find that I've had my best results in dealing with men in conversations around mental health is if you advise and guide men toward thinking that you play the game of mental health the same way you can play the game of life. Like if you are aggressively trying to accumulate things, let's accumulate wellness, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I need you to tell yeah. me actually how you're doing and just say it yeah. forcefully. Occupy this space in the same way you would. If you are not doing well, say so. Mm -hmm. yeah. if, and, I, and I think that we just don't know how. Correct. Yeah. We correct. We don't know how. We don't have the language. Correct. We don't have that vocabulary for that. So can you? I think that's why I talk a lot about, or even like I hesitated to say that masculinity was on one extreme and mental health was on the other because mm -hmm. I struggle to think of a man who would say, "If I will lay down my masculinity and." Mm -hmm move towards mental health without being able to like bring it with them. Does that make sense? It like does. instead yeah. like having to say I'm going to lay this one down just so mm -hmm. I can pick up this other. I don't see that being realistic. I, I think we've created uh, I'm going to I'm going to reference hip hop real quick. Yeah. I defy anyone to look at hip hop and rap and not see where brothers in particular aren't keeping a journal of how we're yeah. struggling emotionally. Yeah. And it's a wide open journal mm -hmm. if you access it. Some brothers just happen it's a to be a historical journal. Historical if yes, you sir. if you think about how it was birthed. Yeah. And then how literally every region was like here in fact mm -hmm. is what my journal writings mm -hmm. would look like. Um I think that is probably our best access point. Yeah. It's like how you can describe being unwell, and if you have to do it, aggressively start there so we right. can normalize it. And what does this sound like yeah. to and your ear when you see this happening? Yeah, and I think that's how you develop the Correct. way to talk about it, the Correct. words. Correct. With, with that, not saying, well, you've got to lay this down to pick up this other thing, but how do we carry it with us to, to start? And to that, well, then what, what, I guess my question then too, because this is why I believe that parts of masculinity are diametrically opposed because many of the things that have been said in this room that keep men from addressing their mental health are attached to masculinity. Mm -hmm. So some stuff you can't take with you. And to say, well, you can take some of it with you until, like, that's not really true. Some of it you're going to have to, be able to lay down, you have to lay down that idea of strength that I have to endure, endure, endure because I'm a man and say, well, maybe I don't. My masculinity doesn't have to be that, that, that defined to pain or strength in the form of suffering. And if that's what the mask, if that's how we, uh, the definition of masculinity that one holds to, how do you take that into wellness when you have to let that go? Well, I think that's where for many of us who are more, I hate to say evolved, maybe just a little more mature. That's why masculinity tends to not necessarily fit well, but we wear it anyway. Because, oh, it's coming with us. 
Right. It is coming with us. And I think it's just going to come with us as a poor fit. The more we challenge it and we kind of develop a different kind of armor with it, you know, that is more unique to us as we grow. Um, I don't think that masculinity has to, well, even parts of it have to be left behind because I think those parts need to be interrogated. They need to be interrogated in the same way I think people have to bring their generational curses with them. doesn't matter how much wellness, bring those with you because they got to be there. Bring them. Bring them anyway. And I look at masculinity in that same way. And it has the features of a generational curse. And I believe it needs to be there so it can be interrogated and shaped and maybe made into a healthier tool in a space. Um, yeah. Yeah. When you were talking, what popped for me was the concept of how we have survived mm -hmm. right? and the language of thriving. And so mental health, mental wellness is moving towards thriving. But we have traditionally learned how to survive. And I think that when we talk about like multi-generational curses, you know, we look at a history of a culture, specifically for a black man, you know, attempting to survive. And so maybe this concept of masculinity is tied to this idea that if I operate or function in certain ways, then I am at least able to survive, therefore able to care for, to some degree, maybe not the best degree, to those who are in my care or those who would come underneath my care because I have to have something to provide for them. And that mentality of seeking or moving out of this survival mode is threatening and maybe right. fearful. I think we, what troubles me often in the conversations and even as I am someone who rejects parts of masculinity, I don't reject the whole concept. Mm -hmm. right. What troubles me is that we have not considered what is after. If we make it extinct, hmm. what then? What then? Because I don't know we've effectively answered the question of why our overall society and our community needs masculinity. Hmm. Why do we need it? And what purpose and what task have we assigned to it that we have not been able mm -hmm. to find an answer for elsewhere? Because if I think all of us, you know, we're reasonable, balanced adults. If we were all to say, okay, we're going to have a pill that would make it so that all men can choose to redefine themselves with regard to masculinity, there would still be thousands upon thousands of men and women and families and systems that are like, no, some of y'all going to have to still be strong yeah. and powerful yeah. because that's what I need. Yeah. I think the answer to that is what you said earlier about um, the convenience of having it. And I think that's why people, men and women, because men are not the only one that prop up this idea, is that if you get rid of it, then people are now going to be held responsible to thinking a little bit broader, Correct. not having that definition, which can be very scary. And very troubling. So I think part of why we hold on to these constructs is because it makes it easy. It makes it simple. And then once we get rid of them, now what am I to do? Because I even think about my own kind of hypocrisy around masculinity. So I'm raised in the South. 
raised by a very stereotypical masculine man. So oftentimes the, the things I look for in dating and men are very stereotypical. Um, I don't like the word alpha, alpha male, but for the purposes of this conversation, yeah. alpha male. Like I typically like strong, very you know assertive men. And I know there's a piece of that that is attached to very gender norms. So when I do engage with men who don't fit that, I have had to intentionally go in my head and say, oh, okay, that's that's fine. That's okay for him to not exist. So I've had to do my own work in that like intentionally. But what I've noticed is that it's, free, it's freeing. It's not such a <coughs> limited. And it's also a challenge because I then have to like <laughs> actively say like nope that's okay for him to do that that's okay for him to wear that and I think a reason why people why no one is asking what comes after or are reluctant to get rid of it is because it's it, it is a little uncomfortable so maybe it a little scary a lot of work yeah absolutely yeah. that brings me to a question I'm curious you know as you have made that you know statement um, yeah what does it look like particularly for women, you know, or sisters, if this concept of masculinity, you know, no longer exists. And let's say that men, you know, um, for lack of, of um, defining masculinity with a, you know, really strong frame, um, that men um, no longer prescribe to these traditional mm -hmm. kinds of masculine concepts like protecting or providing you use the you know kind of analogy or the the story of you know a man crying mm -hmm. right um, or or you know not demonstrating you know um, uh, strength mm -hmm. you know or um, the sense of um, I don't want to say confidence but that's okay. the only term that's <laughs> popping in my mind mm -hmm. then then what does that look like for our women Safety. <laughs> Honestly, that's the first word that came to mind is is safety um, and a more whole experience when it comes to relationships. Um, and I think by proxy of the type of man I'm typically attracted to or, or choosing dating, they are often emotionally constipated. Is the best way I can say it, <laughs> which is like not able or just have a really hard time finding those words and like pulling teeth and it's like ah just let go so if I think those things are not in place I see like a just a freer society mm -hmm. like have you ever seen the giver or read the book ah so in the giver the whole thing like every everything is black and white and there was one kid who was chosen and on I think the 12th or 10th birth 12th birthday every child is told what their gift is some people are given the gift of being a teacher this guy was a gift of he was a receiver of memories and he was the only one who was able to experience emotions he was the only one able to see the world in color mm -hmm. and you can see his whole perspective change and that's to me what I visualize or envision when I see us getting rid of these constructs is that we see the world just much brighter. Yeah. 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 I, I think for me, it looks like authenticity. Like people are able to be their most authentic selves, um, which is frightening to mm. a lot of people, you know, to not have bounds, to not have limits, mm. even though we're like, oh, you know, I don't want these limits. It's frightening to be free. Because you have to decide your location. You have to decide your journey. You have to decide where to go. But I think being able to not have 
masculinity as the bound, as the limit, it, it will allow for, like you were saying, like more open, more mm-hmm. authenticity. Um, I think it'll bring a lot of, it would bring a lot of equity. So without having kind of these role expectations, because you mm-hmm. are the male mm-hmm. or because you are the female, you fit this role, you fit this picture, but it allows for us to say, if we exist in an equitable space, Mm -hmm. what can I bring that may be missing from you? And how do we interlock in that way that allows us to be more of ourselves, but also in a space where that says, what can I bring to you instead of this is what I'm supposed to bring to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it allows us to be more self-aware and think deeper about our own selves. I mean, not you know, I'm not a woman, so I would be an observer in this, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's a few good men, and you, in fact, have the character, the colonel, who's like, you don't want to know I'm on that wall, but you need me on that wall. Mm-hmm. And masculinity kind of represents that for me. I think ladies would be cool with a free and fluid masculinity for about three weeks, bro. Mm. And then okay. they'll be like, no, we're only going to have masculinity free holidays, y'all. Like, it's because the, amount, why, of, why three the weeks? amount of agency that <laughs> no, and responsibility yes. that, like, a, a part of what masculinity brings to the table is taking on the role of being forceful and engaging. Right, so I'm thinking about all of the women, very developed, brilliant, sound women, full of agency of their own, and then saying to them, well, it's fluid now, so in our relationships, we share responsibility for who engages who. Mm-hmm. That shit would be out the window quick. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, but, so... Why, why women th- not doing but, but, but why that do you now? think it would be out the, out the window quick? <sighs> Masculinity and, by extension, men have to... we have to be the party responsible for there not being communication and for there being poor communication. There has to be a villain in the story. Mm. There has to be a victim in the story. And I think naturally in relationships, women are allowed more of that than men are. So masculinity is necessary to maintain that balance, unfortunately. So then then to disrupt Uh the entire structure, Mm -hmm. we have to... Redefine femininity. Both, like or, it would, it or, would all have to be fluid. It, it would all have to be fluid. So we all right. just gonna be fluid, right? That like, like water, uh, like right. A, a part of a part of what masculinity assumes responsibility for, mm-hmm. right? Is mm-hmm. okay. So here is Shari Dade, and I want to know Shari Dade, and this is masculinity. Shari Dade can occupy her space and expect that I have to engage her because her energy, not that you would, I'm saying in most instances, her energy is feminine, mine is masculine, and what is taught to masculinity as a concept is that you must make this happen or it's your fault that it did not. And then after you do that, nearly everything that follows that becomes a part of the temple of this relationship, masculinity has to contribute to somehow by almost engaging first. Something as simple as if we made it completely fluid and then said, okay, ladies, everybody has to decide who approaches who. Yeah. 
there's some women who would revolt day one. That's real. Well, day one. Is what that do, what, not do, what do you real, mean? Though. Wait, wait, that what do you real. mean? Okay, so this is my point. This is my point. This is my point of disagreement. Back to business as usual. We are not doing this. This is my point of disagreement. So one, like I said, men and women are both guilty in upholding these tenets of masculinity. So the whole who has to approach you. But when you say like it would it would fall apart in three weeks, women are doing that now. Women are approaching men now. Women are initiating things but now. very begrudgingly. <laughs> yes, like, and, and I can only speak from just like conversations with my friend group. Like correct. It's, it's begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, now I gotta approach men. Right. Like it's very much like, well, because they're not doing it, mm-hmm. now right. I have to do it. And, and, and some, I'm I'm not the happiest camper. And I think about some it. women would go so far in their heads emotionally and then share in spaces where it's safe, like, well, Idris Elba isn't around me, why would I approach anyone? That has to be the standard. Like, if I'm going to go to the trouble that it takes for me to take these necessary steps toward you, mm-hmm. here is who you better be. Otherwise, this will not happen. And so it makes it so, again, that agency gets curbed again. Right. Oh, certainly I would. I would approach someone if they were worth my time. Well, who's worth your time? Oh, here's my list of 70 items. So, whoa, whoa. 70? Okay, now that's ridiculous. But, <laughs> so wait a minute. Why is that a problem of saying somebody is, because isn't that how attraction and approaching works? Is that you believe the person that the object of your... We can have a real difficult is. conversation about this. <laughs> I'm just saying, but I'm is that a bad thing? That? That? No, no, no. Well, I'm approaching somebody no, no, that I don't. I don't here's here's where, where I would go with it, right? So... Stefan Marbury, I just want to like step away from where we are over to an example. He's a professional basketball player in China. He played in the NBA. The NBA gave up on him, but China wanted him, so they signed him long-term, mm-hmm. built a statue for him after he won championships. He still talked about the NBA. China was like, we want to give you everything. Right. For him, early life in China, it was China as an American basketball player. It's kind of terrible. Here's the thing, though. China was like, you are perfect for us. And he's in his head like the only way for me to think of myself soundly as a pro ball player is to be in an NBA. NBA. Mm -hmm. You are not an NBA player, sir. Mm -hmm. You are a superstar in China. Mm -hmm. I would suggest to you, and I think if you dig deep among your, your women friend group, most of those women looking at those items, and it may not be 70, if I were to say, my love, are you going to be able to preserve that relationship long term? Are you really going to put the work into maintain that human mm-hmm. on the end of those 70 items? Most folks would then take a step back and say, well, wait a uh, what, what all right. would be. And we ask men to consider that or to just be bold. Nothing in between. Uh, who are you? Maybe it's different dating who, experiences because this is. Men have a no sense, way. men have, I think, a better sense than many women do about what their league is because we use the term and we actively from very early in men's lives tell them, be prepared for rejection. Mm-hmm. And here's what right. rejection is going to look like. This is what it's going right. to be for yeah. you. So right. we learn, it kind yes. of gets crafted and carved into us fairly yeah. early. 
women don't experience that in the same way. Women don't experience rejection not in the same not, way? Not in that way. Well, no, because we are not typically the ones who are You're engaging. You're not the ones who engaging. Enga- but all I'm saying yes. is now... I am seeing much more of that, whether it's done begrudgingly or not, women are actually doing it because the Correct. the current time dictates it. Mm-hmm. So that's when like the whole thing, like it'll break down in three weeks. Well, it's kind of, women have now said, all right, well, this is kind of the dating scene now is that I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z. So they have adjusted. So if you now remove these constructs where now both parties are forced to say, well, the reason why you're doing this begrudgingly is because you have this expectation that men are supposed to do that. But now that's taken out of the way. I don't see it falling apart. Of course, you're going to always have people that are going to buck the system just because going back to what we said about convenience, it's convenient to rely on these. I'm just part curious. of, part I'm of a, what? Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just curious, though, you know, following this change or this shift, then we would say that it's then OK for our sisters to then suggest engagement or, or marriage to men. That yeah, I you... will say that now. If that's what you want okay. to do, then go for it. Because it all goes back to, you have to acknowledge your own hypocrisy. Shari's so shaking her head. I'm, yeah. I'm just curious what yeah, that's what you, about. Yeah, like it was, it was pretty vigorous. <laughs> I know. I don't see it as realistic. Like, I don't hmm. see being able... I mean, I... Even though I, I have this thought around, oh, okay, yeah, let's debunk masculinity. Like break down I in three weeks. I don't see it as realistic because it does allow too much agency. And even though we're like, bring us agency, like this is a good thing. I need to be able to move freely. I just don't see people existing in that way. I don't. I agree. And I think people can eventually, but it takes a great deal of one mindfulness then education and we're human people have to be rewarded for learning within that process i think it it takes you know a a significant societal change significant societal change right now with that i don't okay so let's I thought the three week thing was an example. I didn't know we were really actually talking about twenty one days. No, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. But with with any with any shift in mindset about anything, there's always going to be resistance. I mean, literally, think about any societal cultural shift that we've had in this country, whether it was around smoking, wearing seatbelts. I mean, literally everything. There is always an initial pushback because it's challenging the status quo and now this is comfortable now you're going to take me out of my comfort zone but what I'm disagreeing with is that this whole like this impossibility of it is it going to be difficult yes does that mean that we should stay here because it's going to be weird I just I can't rock with that especially if what we're saying is we want more we're recognizing the danger of holding on to these constructs but then right. at the same time to say well it's not going to happen like there there've there've been electric engines for decades mm-hmm. yeah fuel companies weren't going to let it happen ah. it right. just wasn't so if you have because powerful invested parties yes. i would ask you are women going to let this dramatic shift take place i'm Especially going to say yes because of the cost with the benefit was the cost of unhealthy at this moment. <laughs> the cost of unhealthy masculinity is often women's lives and bodies. So if you're telling me on, that we're gonna risk 
asking men out to date or for marriage, like that's we don't want to give that benefit up because of. But what what we're, what we're saying is how much do we shift masculinity if mm -hmm. we make it completely fluid? Mm -hmm. So then we wouldn't even need to use a term for it if both masculinity and femininity are removed. It would be remarkably fluid. But how productive would that complete fluidity be? So, so our engineer has a question. Um, okay. Bless has has a question that he asked, and he he just questioned: Is masculinity only negative? Like, are there positives that also come along with this construct? Sure. Yeah, because it sounds. Go ahead. If if we're getting rid of masculinity. Um, are we getting rid of just the negative parts of it or are we talking about getting rid of it altogether? Because I know there's some things that I kind of feel masculine about, you know, when I go and buy groceries, you know, to to my wife, that's kind of masculine. You know, she's like, oh, well, yeah, I got a good man. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Could bring, you know, she bring enjoys home stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. certain things. You know, now if I go to the house and smack her upside the head and say I'm a man, like, mm -hmm. then that's kind of like to me is kind of like you nah, know, but so it's a know. fair question. Do we throw out the baby with the bathwater? Yeah, and I don't yeah. think you necessarily have to. Right, right. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that is really interesting because you know, as we talk about masculinity, you know, and I think over the course of the past ten, maybe. 20 years, you know, if we kind of look at, you know, the shift or the change in regards to how we define masculinity, it has always been on the basis of these negative attributes of masculinity that is focused on aggression or hypersexualization, you know, or threats to women. Um, however, you know, what are those positive qualities, you know, of manhood that we may associate with again the concept of masculinity like you know you just shared you know um getting groceries for your wife that it, it feels good to be able to care for your partner and to provide for your partner because what i'm when i we associate masculinity with man mm -hmm. so um at, i was at a, a 50th year anniversary of for my aunt my uncle and they talked about my uncle a lot like he's always been there He's been a great man in our life. He was very stern, you know, very masculine, very, you know, he was on time. He would make sure you're on time. He would discipline you. He would do certain things. And to me, like, that's masculine, you know, taking care of your business, like taking care of what you need to um, in a, uh, a positive way, you know, being a, a, a positive person in your community, your friends, your family, um, and, and kind of doing things not so um, uh, uh, disrespectfully, you know, to, to me, like my, my uncle, like he, you know, to me, that's the type of masculine I want to be. I don't want to be the kind that we see that the media shows us or that we uh, kind of learn from our friends and nobody's teaching them. They just learning from the next guy or the dude from the block or whoever, you know, whoever he, yeah. he, he learned it from, you know, um, that's to me, that's, you know, that's masculine. Like I If think, you, oh, sorry. No, if you ahead. replace the word masculinity with integrity, how would that shift it? Because I keep going back to the power that we put to constructs and how is that the things that you just, just described different from being a good partner? Like how does that, differ from being a person of character and integrity. So mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be called femininity. It doesn't have to be called masculinity mm -hmm. for you to have characteristics of a good person. So when we get rid of these little rigid, like 
boxes that you have to exist in, mm-hmm. you can do those things and not see, I mean, not you, but, and people don't see any attack on the performance of it as somehow taking it away. Because when you just say, well, no, this is who I am, this is my character, has nothing to do with hormones or, or mm-hmm. whatever. It's just a part of who I am. Yeah, if, we, if we don't have to take ownership of masculinity in a sense, I think it can become healthy. You know, in my own mind, am I raising my son to be a better man than I am? For me, that is a masculine process because he is male and I am male and we're engaging, but it could very easily be just closeness. Like we could just replace that with closeness. It could replace it with, you know, the sage, mentor, any of those kinds of things. I think fundamentally what we'll continue to come back to is what benefit we find ourselves having from attaching ourselves and wedding ourselves to masculinity and what anxiety we're prepared to cope with in order to say we have to shape it. Because really, it's all of those things. It's integrity, and then it's how I, as a man, deploy integrity. Right. 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 How I, as a man, deploy closeness and responsibility for my spouse. And how do I relieve her burden? How do I relieve her mental load, in a sense? You know, what, what I'm picking up from you, April, is this question about equity and power, Mm -hmm. right? That letting go of masculinity, femininity, means that there's a potential equalization of power. That somewhere in there, we have the capacity to operate and function, you know, as the same. Whereas with a masculine culture or a feminine culture, there is a historical dominance and power that has been um, influential, right, in terms of how um, men have deployed, you know, certain behaviors, you know, whether that is uh, the catcalling of women, whether that is, you know, the hyper-aggressive natures, whether it is this question of being violent in a domestic situation or aggression towards women and being able to assert power and dominance over women. So the stripping of this construct, right, then equalizes power. I don't know. To an extent, yes. I think it's more so respect. Like, and maybe power is somewhere in there. Because I think what tends to happen when we get caught up in these constructs is that we then see people as limits of that. And then if I'm not allowed to exist in certain ways, I have to now either get you out of the way because now you're blocking versus I'm going to do things for you because I care about you as a person, not because I'm a man or I'm your woman. So if Napoleon says he's sick, Napoleon can't get to the store, I'm going to run down the street and give him soup. That's not... That I mean, maybe you can call that femininity, but I'm just like, no, that's a, that's me being. So when you, so I think sometimes when you take away the things, like the expectation, people can move freely, and so maybe there's power somewhere in there. Maybe I think like I guess I have to think about that a little bit more. But I guess you can get to the power piece because if you don't feel like you're fighting for something, then I don't have to continuously like beat you down because I need to remain in power versus that. I'm just treating you because I see the human in you and not because I have to like 
perform from this position. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. Because equity is real tough. <laughs> like that, this is true. That's that's it's complex. That it's is a tough concept, and that's why I say it, like complex. it takes. It's a lot of work, right? And you know, and not saying that it shouldn't be done. Not saying that that the work isn't worthy, but it takes a lot of work, and for people to start making these small steps, like it's got to be. Like if we say, oh, in order to be a, a, a better and more like actualized person, it's going to be a lot of work. The likelihood that people will pick up that journey decreases, you know. Um, but I think it, I definitely think it's worthy, you know. Uh, but it, it it is a lot of work when we think about like having a equitous society where we yeah. have put down these terms of masculinity and femininity and where people are able to bring to the table what they have because they are engaging with other humans, like simply on that basis, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's definitely a lot to think about. Yeah. I think it's a huge conversation. It is. And so, a huge, oh, you know, kind of step forward. I, I can just imagine, you know, how, you know, the, the the shift or the lack of masculinity or femininity mm -hmm. could actually empower a community or yeah. actually disempower a community. Yeah. It can go both ways, you know. Yeah. Like so the, it's, it's the really idea of people working on themselves for themselves, like claiming their personhood. Mm -hmm. Like we have people in a society where it's free capitalist in quotes frightened of going into business for themselves hmm. and that's the same kind of because of the amount of work involved it's just plain yeah, simpler yeah. for me to marshal my energy and my resources and look at how people respond to you mm. when you're like yeah you know i'm gonna go on ahead and organize this llc wait where are you gonna work though <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you've got a new job you're congratulated you know and it's I think a part of what is holding us in place is not just the meaning we attach to the idea of masculinity and the roles involved, but what the roles actually are. Mm -hmm. There is anxiety about doing the things that both masculinity and femininity do well mm -hmm. and necessarily. There is significant anxiety around that becomes a task that I will have to undertake myself. Mm -hmm. That understanding, that patience, that whatever we just typically the tropes we place on both on of both these piece, things. Yeah. For many of us, there's not just a comfort. We obligate others to maintain those roles so we can live what in our heads is a balanced life. Mm. Right. I'm not afraid to think of what would be after. I'm afraid of how we as humans would sabotage it. <laughs> we do we don't we don't want to be powerfully involved in our personhood. Man. Right? Well, we I, just don't want to be. I think the sabotage comes from like there's a lack of willing to acknowledge like the the cognitive dissonance of there you go um like i said before i acknowledge my hypocrisy in dating and values and i have to actively like check, check. when there it happens like ooh he got a oh he want to put a blonde streak in his hair huh Okay. All right. Well, all right. Oh, you that like the blonde streak. Yeah. <laughs> but like have to have that conversation right. with myself. Like, ooh, what's, uh, I'm not comfortable with this. Now, let that? me, let Where me, let me see. From? Yeah. Right. And do I want to, and also, and even, and owning, mm -hmm. if I say 
you know what? I ain't that evolved. I have to own that and not right. put that on him. And I think that's where some yeah. of the challenge is. So if a person says that they they you know they want to hone in on the, the terms masculine and feminine, I'm more curious as to why and what that does for them. I'm not going to tell right. you not to do it, especially if it brings you like joy. If if you getting groceries for for your 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 wife is like that's a positive aspect of masculinity. Absolutely, keep that whatever you want to call it. But what I'm saying is acknowledging kind of the extremes, which is, I think, where the danger is presently in society. Every Well, I can say it because I'm not speaking for a man. Speaking for as myself and my experiences, I have seen more danger in the performance of masculinity and not... If we would just stop in at the whole protect... Uh, that's probably where it started. In that whole, like, I'm the protector. I'm the... You know, the person who brings on the bacon and then it has now sab humans have either sabotaged or yeah. just whole yeah. Yeah. yeah, where it's like, huh, this ain't I think, really helpful I anymore. Think, uh, effectively that plenty there are plenty of men who don't want to and have no real dedication to being stereotypically masculine. Mm -hmm. However, they're not prepared to starve. <laughs> and there's a kind of starvation. Can you that say is more weird. about that part? <laughs> yeah, because so, I, yes. Yeah. Come on, yeah. bring that so, home. <laughs> when, when, when they, when there's, yeah, no, no, no. Let's let, let's pare it down simplest, right? <laughs> like, like for real. So, yes. I recall when 50 Cent verse showed up, right? So mm -hmm. 50 Cent shows up, and 50 Cent is literally prison swole, right? And prison he has swole. that conversation. A man's been shot nine times, mm -hmm. and he's talking about things that he has actually done. And just socially, there was that dissonance where it's like, we don't want to promote this. But we had arrived at a time in history where there was a conversation, male and female, saying, I think we can. We can promote this. If we ground it and understand it, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. But he's talking about killing folks. Well, we can try and understand why and then give meaning to his life, and he's sexy too. <laughs> All of these things, and it's perfectly okay. And there were plenty of folks who were distant. Like, that's not for me at all, his life, but... They're looking and they're saying, no, there are men who are around that fire who now feel understood socially, who feel that there's a space for them socially. So there's manna to be had there. There are women who are attracted to this. Oh, there's money to be made. Yeah. And, and <laughs> then, so, no, I'm not going to starve at all in this space, but I can see who among us is starving, and I'm not going to be him. I'm not going to be that. So I'm going to carry out the theater, the theater of masculinity, because that's what folks are buying tickets to, as opposed to the full expression of it. Whenever there is full expression, yeah, this dude just took food off of his own plate, and we can see where it's happening. And when it's happening, and for someone who has very little food, we've talked about that anxiety around resources. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I've got very little to begin with, you're going to lose the rest of it, yeah. and you can't afford to. How do I get it back? You get it back? You well, I think it goes back to what you said about it being rewarded. Yeah. So, I mean, anything that's being rewarded is going to be continue. Anything that's reinforced is going to continue to occur. But I, you made me also think of your the metaphor you used about Stefan. Um, Marble, let's say Curry, wrong Marbury. one. Marbury. Marbury. 
thing. Um, so you have like the 50 cents, the like hyper masculine, if you had to put it, boom, right there on the wall. Then you have your Tyler, the creators, maybe. Would you say he's on the other end, so to speak? So they're no similar. Okay. I'm trying to think of who would be Chance the rapper. Yes. Chance. Let's say Chance. Okay. So <laughs> Drake. Drake is very hyper. Mm, he's not Chance Lecrae. Saul Williams. The Who poet? is Saul Williams? The poet. The poet Saul Williams. So yeah. Saul Williams is not starving. Now he may not be getting. No, no, no. But what he has learned, mm-hmm. what he has learned, is how you take what appears to be an opportunity. And you craft yourself into the best version of that space. It's back to the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. No, anywhere there's something to eat, there's going to be somebody to eat it. You just have to be the best version of a hunter to catch that prey. So is that the China versus the NBA? Yeah, he's made himself a superstar for China. Learned the language. Right. You know, he kind of adapted. So I'm going to be the best version of what they need here. But what that means for him is he will never play in the NBA again, and he would have to accept that. So a brother can look and say, I don't really believe in 50 Cent's approach, but 50 Cent is getting down with a lot of bad honeys, and he is making a lot of money. So I'm going to have to decide to commit to that because you can't halfway it. You have to be full. My full masculine expression is going to have to be that. Even if I don't fully believe it, I'm going to have to commit to it in the theater space. And what that's going to mean is the cost is going to be your safety. And what about the cost of your own, your own, like, like your own interpersonal Yeah, because safety. at some point you got to come back to what's really like you're the genuine of what you really want. Like a lot of people sleep well after they eat, though. Uh, indigestion is a bitch, though. <laughs> yeah, but. acid reflux well, is. Yeah. I think my question for both of you, because mm-hmm. I know the work that you do right. with men and mm-hmm. with men in their mental health and mental wellness. Correct. How do you hold both of those factors for men as they're coming in and they're they're carrying kind of this? I want to eat, so I got to hold this certain traditional masculine view. But I also want to be well, yeah. and I'm now I have this com- this inner That's conflict. Like, how do y'all work? I think that you create that? space for the both and. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I like the the language that you used earlier. You know, we the first question was unlearning things, mm-hmm. and I think that one of the things that we do is teach or mentor in some aspects. You know, Notwithstanding the, theore- the, the, the therapeutic, you know, kind of experience, but you know, we help you know our our young men to begin to rethink how they think about themselves, and create space for them to have the level of vulnerability um, in a safe space that they may never have ever had mm-hmm. in their lives. And what happens from that, hopefully, if we're doing a good job, Mm -hmm. is that it transcends to other relationships. It transcends to other relationships that then now I have some new reinforcement because Mm -hmm. of the way that I am managing and navigating how I think about myself, how I feel about myself, and how I now experience the world through an alternative lens, Mm -hmm. while at the same time knowing that I have to maintain some level of this construct mm-hmm. right 
to make it through, to, mm-hmm. to survive. It's like when I worked in the prison system. <laughs> that's, a whole talk n- about that's, that's a whole other beast. But hypermasculinity as survival. It's survival. Yeah. I could I, I I I could work with a client and you know I could I could break down all of the walls, but I have to put those walls back in place because he has to survive out there. Yeah. And that's a similar kind of mentality, you know, yeah. in a lot of cases. For those of us who have struggled yeah. and suffered and endured and survived and silenced the kind of traumatic experience of being men right. that we have experienced. Part of what I, I consistently use as a term that I press upon the men that I'm working with is ground but not justify. And by that, what I say is we're not going to excuse in any way anything that you think, believe, or do that is unhealthy. And we don't have to excuse it. We need to see the harm that has been done Mm -hmm. to you and how you have been made into this being and then how you are even culpable Mm -hmm. in enforcing more of this. So we ground it. Let's understand because everyone is kind of the center of their story. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with... Young men, especially, what I try to work on them understanding is, no, you can be a rich character. And that's even where masculinity and the idea of rejecting it comes into play. You don't have to be Superman. Mm-hmm. right? You also don't have to be Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can decide to be an anti-hero, which is why people love Batman. He's mm-hmm. complicated. Mm-hmm. Right. If you can just listen, I don't have to choose that extreme or that extreme. I can see where both parts have impacted my life. And then how do I create this very complicated, layered understanding in between? And what I ask them to do is to think just out there, if there's a best version of yourself that you may never be, but that you would work toward what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like tomorrow? And how is that less of this? And less of this and more of something in between. And I think that kind of helps. Men, you know, and masculinity and be a part of it, just very task oriented. If you tell dudes, like, listen, here's what we're working on. Okay, cool. Not just how you are feeling, but okay, here's what we're working on for you because depression is this thing that's impacting you in this way. Here's what we're going to do in terms of homework and work to. Yeah. get past this and I think many men do tend to respond to that more it being an approach so kind of bringing things to a close um, I can't remember who said it but someone said something earlier about not having the language or men often don't have the word so how do men develop the word so kind of kind of say with like with grounding versus I forgot the other piece of it ground not justified so to ground understanding why men don't have the words but then okay well how do we then now develop the language uh, <laughs> I, I would i would say that we allow men to fully participate right so with my class like i think about calling them my classmates and many of you probably do as well right and one of the terms that I developed with them last year with my research methods class was nominaries. <laughs> right? Like, and our nominaries everything. Like, yo, did you prepare your nominaries for class? Because it was their term. Like, don't worry about whether or not it even fits what we're doing. Culturally, 
I think the spaces that men are in, if we allow for their wellness to be messy, but to be developed kind of just very carelessly, you don't have to worry about being right. We've made wellness and wellness approaches, unfortunately, like a lot of things in the social space. Use the right term, say it the right way, mean the right thing, define it well. And it's best if you say, dude, just say it in any way you understand. You know, like, let's make it as messy as we can as long as we know that we're talking. You know, I, I think that there is a group of men, you know, who have language and yeah. who are ready to communicate with other men. Agreed. Obviously. And I yeah. think <laughs> and, I th- and I think that, you know, in very different circles, you know, I, I was at uh, my ministers and elders meeting maybe last month and we were having a discussion about toxic masculinity and the men are asking questions about what does it mean and I don't want to be a toxic man. I don't want to be the kind of man that engages in behaviors, you know, or perceptions or beliefs that would devalue our women, but also limit us from having the ability to express what's really going on with us and communicating and engaging. And it was a really great conversation because I think at the end of it, we were able to have an emotional release by which men were able to hold men accountable for our caring for one another um, and having a discussion about the kinds of things that really bother us or really trouble us. Some of those anxieties or fears that we have about survival, about being able to, um, if we go to the traditional language of being able to provide, you know, of being able to make sure that we keep a roof over our heads and food on the table for those who we care for. Not saying that partners or wives were not able to bring to the table that, but as the traditional definition of manhood suggests, that is a responsibility of mine. Um, And being able to navigate that, you know, in a way to help, you know, kind of equalize some of the beliefs, values um, that we have about being men. So I, I think that it means that we have to have more conversations. You know, so in cuts and conversations with the young men, we're talking about a number of different things that, you know, they've opened up to. Um, And because they haven't had models, watch that. They haven't had models or they haven't had men who have shown them some things. Like these young men didn't even know how to tie a tie. And I'm thinking like, wow, y'all don't have to tie a tie. You know, that's a traditional male thing, but there was mothers who were making attempts to tie ties that couldn't tie ties and, you know, would help, would ask other men to help if they had them, you know, available, but there wasn't the availability. So I think that having conversations, yeah. you know, brothers like me and Napoleon, when we get yeah. down or, you know, communicate with other circles that we are involved in, that we continue to press the conversation and to help to gauge and develop, you know, where that language goes. I think it's uh, essential that we show, especially younger men, even some older brothers who still believe in the halcyon days yeah. of when it was so much better to be a man then. Um, I think if we, sh- if we show them kind of what it means to be not even fully somewhat realized, but just to be working on it, right? We show them some of the difficult parts of our personhood. What is it? 
look like to be a man and to be rejected and to feel out of control mm -hmm. and to sit with that. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of what they see from us is it's a feeling and you lash out at feelings mm -hmm. to give yourself distance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Us showing them that it's okay to embrace, embrace those, it. just to sit with them for a moment with that discomfort, mm -hmm. for many moments, mm -hmm. to even say, listen, nah, it's okay that you're angry. It doesn't have to be destructive. Right. Right. What do you do to understand the emotion? It's okay even to be resentful for a period of time. Mm -hmm. Own what you feel. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about why I think a lot of what masculinity has done to hamstring us when we own it in the spaces to be always doing something shark-like, always stay in motion mm -hmm. in order to function and survive. And a part of the thrust for us as men, I feel, is to have conversations where we say, no, it's okay to be a little bit of a mess, yeah. but to sit still and figure it out mm -hmm. and to absorb energy and support from those who are around you. Yeah. And try and make good. sense of it in that right. way. It's yeah. good to well not said. have the answers yeah. all the time. Like it's yeah. okay to not to, for it to not to wrap up neatly into a bow where it right. makes sense. Like no, it's not. It's not going to. It ain't gonna yeah. make sense. Right. But we are gonna yeah. sit in it, and yep. we'll work it out. Right. Correct. Nice. Together. Cool. Nice. Well, y'all, this was a dope conversation. And and I mean, we could definitely talk much, much more. But for the sake of wrapping up a podcast, we are going to kind of close it. Um, but before we completely wrap up, like, are there takeaways? Like, are there things that kind of you would like our audience to chew on a little bit more yeah. um, to hold with them? Like, do yeah. you have takeaways? I mean, I think there is a better more evolved, healthier version of masculinity and femininity and personhood that is out there. Um, I don't know when we may see it, but I think that absolutely is that possibility. You know, it's tied to the human potential. And, you know, that's always there. Um, as we practice it right now, it's harmful. Certainly as we practice it, but yeah. there is a better version, I think, somewhere over there. Hmm. I think that um, again, uh, we we, and maybe it is my being the optimist that I am and, and hopeful, you know, that we are having more conversations. Um, we are being more thoughtful, you know, and hopefully more dynamic and creating more spaces for men to express themselves um, and to work through the initial anxiety and fear of being exposed. Um, as not being this kind of traditional um, man um, and to be okay with that, right? And to um, learn how to be um, both um, um, hard and soft, if that makes sense. Um, and so I, I, I would like to say that, you know, we just have to continue to have these conversations. We have to continue to open the doorway so that more men can walk in and let their guards down, to put their bags down, and to begin the process of letting go of years of male traumatization, right? And that comes from men traumatizing men, women traumatizing women, um, culturally, you know, with um, 
I'm about to go left field, but <laughs> I just you feel it. So you I'm, almost made I'm, it through. Right, we're wrapping up. You was, you was good I'm, there. You was I'm going to pull the, it in. The, um, field goal range. You field goal range. <laughs> I just I, I hear my head going left field. But, but yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, for, for the culture, you know, I think that there's a lot of healing that has to happen. Um, and I believe that if we can begin to heal the men, not saying that our sisters and our women don't need to be healed. But if we can begin the process of healing the men, then I think that we would be in a great place to reach the goal, you know, mm -hmm. of the equity um, that you talked about mm -hmm. earlier today, April. Awesome. Um, so my takeaway is from Audre Lorde's quote, I had to pull it up so I don't mess it up, is that if I didn't define myself for myself, I would be crunched into other people's fantasies for me and eaten alive. Mm -hmm. And I think that be my takeaway message is define yourself for yourself irrespective of what other people are telling you that you are supposed to be nice nice um i think my takeaway just hearing you guys talk about your view and perspectives that you hold and carry and how you carry it forth to other men is when I am in those conversations where we're talking about masculinity and I'm having that conversation with a man, being able to say as a female, there may be times where I need to step back <laughs> and there may be times where I can't champion this conversation um, and it needs to be carried by another man. Um, and so, because I think I often will get into that space where it does feel like an attack or it does feel like a war when it's not. Um, and so just hearing you guys talk about it tonight just really kind of brought that to the forefront. Um, I don't know how I would step back. Um, I, I'll give them your number and have you <laughs> talk to them. But it just kind of put me in a space where it's like, well, maybe I, I don't always need to be championing those conversations. I, I mean, I want to say I don't believe that women need to take a step back. I think men more so need to be inoculated to a challenge so that it becomes a dialogue, right? You know, we're not challenged, I think, often enough where it is a dialogue. And sometimes the challenge does come across in what might be a careless way, but we need the challenge so that we can develop the skills to engage in the conversation, oh, yeah. even when we're triggered at first. Yeah. So okay. no, that's critically important to For sure. keep happening. Got to keep having a conversation. Got to. Great conversation. Awesome. So we're going to wrap up. So we have one last segment, and this segment is Send One Your Love. So if you're familiar with the Stevie Wonder song, I believe it was from Intervisions, maybe. Send One Your Love with a Dozen Roses. Make sure that she knows it. Anyway, so this is where we ask um, you to think of someone or a thing or a person, entity, whatever, that you would like to send your love out to. So maybe it was a grocer who smiled and asked how your day was, or maybe it was a family member but somebody that did something that you think could deserve like an extra hug or some yeah. warmth or you want to send some loving kindness out there to um anyone want to go first and I should this probably <laughs> model but, yeah. um, <laughs> um I, I would like to send my love to we're going to come back, yeah, to, come back to me. I'm yeah. so bad at this, y'all. This happens every week, and it's really, it's, it, it upsets me. Ups we're so episode 15. Me. Shara, Shara thinking of all the people she disappointed in, like, I don't even know who to send. None of y'all need no love this week. It upsets me that I don't have somebody on the tip of my tongue. 
episode 15. Right. And we do this every week. Yes, episode 15, 14, 14. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go. I'll give you a, a reprieve. <laughs> but you got yeah. about 20 seconds. Okay, I'm going to I want to send my love out to um, the vendors <laughs> at Soda City Market. Um, I've met some wonderful people. It's super random, super random. I've met some really cool people out there. And I think the vibe of Soda City Market is what I wish the city of Columbia could kind of embody maybe fewer dogs, but um, it's just a very friendly, engaging, um, just open conversation. I've made some really cool connections from just talking to vendors and um, just really awesome. So shout out to all the people who load up every Saturday morning at the crack of dawn to be down there and to deal with God only knows what with consumers. Um, but sending my love to all the vendors out at the farmers markets in Soda City, but also across the world. Sorry, Dad. What you got? <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> right. So I want to send my love out to whomever came up with Disney Plus. Um, this is not an advertisement, people. They are not paying me to say this. However, right, it's not a paid advertisement. There we go. It is an amazing app. Like, it's got, like, movies, like, old shows. Like, I've, like, dived into the world of Disney Plus. Shout out to the friend who gave me their password. I appreciate it. I've dived into the world and I have not come out yet. Like I am the only the only disappointment is they don't have Jet Jackson and I plan to write some people about it because it's a very problem. disappointing. That's a problem. Rest in peace. Right. They don't have it. But everything else, you know, is there. So I'm mm-hmm. in the land of high school musical. That's that's my send my love to whoever decided to make that a thing. It's it's beautiful. Um Sending my love out to Russ and Ellen Black Knight, um, who beautiful people. It's interesting as we were having this conversation, like both of them consider themselves queer. They are queer and are married to each other. And I think have this openness within their understanding of their human condition. They kind of pull you into it. Um, I'm a big fan of those folks. And I've been able to have a lot of important conversations in Columbia because of them and the motley crew of friends that we are over that way. So big love and uh, shout outs to the Black Knights. Yeah, Yeah, um, this one is kind of easy for me today. Um, I was sharing with Shari and April that my dad just moved in with me. And it has been a really interesting journey so far. Um, so I'm going to send my love to my pops. Uh, and I'm going to ask y'all to pray for me. <laughs> Will do. Because <laughs> your brother <laughs> got a journey ahead of him. Yeah, we... You need to use my guest room a couple times. <laughs> tell you. I'm just not going to do You know, you guys. Yes, Lord. <laughs> well, we are going to go ahead and wrap up. Thank you guys so much for like a great, being a part of this. This is an amazing Thank conversation. You. Thank you for having Our me. Our listeners have been us. asking for it because, you mm-hmm. know, we're, we, we're a little one-sided on the conversation mm-hmm. of 
masculinity. And so it's great that you guys are here. Thank you so much. Um, so do pleasure, either of you, like, yeah. how do you want our listeners to, like, find you? Do you have, like, handles on social media, things yeah. of that nature that you'd like to put out there? Um, Dr. Wells, we'll start with you. Yeah, so uh, Napoleon BX Sith on Twitter. Uh, is the easiest way to reach me, Napoleon Wells, uh, on all other. Uh, and think your brother I am. Yeah. The letter U, the letter R, the word brother, the letter I, A-M, your brother I am, uh, on Instagram. Um, and I'm a little bit of everywhere there in the social yeah. sphere. You can find me easily. Check out his TED Talk. Yeah, yeah, I do some yeah. things. I do, I do yeah. some things. I'll be out here. Things. I do some things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll be out here. <laughs> I'm not so out there. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Watson. That's one of the things I probably have to work on. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm like behind the scenes. I'm a behind the scenes yeah. kind of person. Yeah. Um, I guess if there was a way to contact me, it would be F-E-S-S-7. I think that's, yeah, that's my your Insta. uh, Instagram. Yeah. yeah, that's probably the best way. All right. Fest seven. But do do let them know my DMs are closed. Oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My D yeah, we should go ahead and say yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Those are Yeah, no, no, no. Those are those are those are closed. But I'm gonna block for Dr. Napoleon Wells. I appreciate you. Because I am a fan of his wife. Right. Right. She stays with a razor, so we don't need that trouble. Hilarious. Well, we're going to go ahead and close it out, y'all. Thank you for listening thus far. Um, you can always find us on social media, Three Sykes and a Mic, the number Three Sykes and a Mic. That is Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you're listening on any platform, please remember to give us recommendations, reviews, likes, subscribe. You can also email us in with questions at three sykes and a mic at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you. We love you. And we're out. Bye. Bye. Bye, folks. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>